Alexandra Quick and the World Away by Inverarity Read by Sam Gabriel Chapter 20 The Jubilee Alexandra appeared in the center of the great tent where the end of Jubilee Dance was being held with a flash and a boom. Everyone jumped, Ozarkers and foreigners alike, and the more faint-hearted screamed. A few drew their wands. Ripples of confusion replaced the waves of alarm when they saw that the source of the commotion was a teenage girl in an Ozarker dress with a black raven on her arm and a backpack slung over her shoulders. Alexandra! cried several voices. Julia, dressed in flowing lacy robes, had been dancing with Noah, who looked dapper in his finest suit. She pushed through the crowd as most of the young people in the center of the tent moved away from the witch with the raven familiar. "'Hi, Julia,' Alexandra said with a manic grin as her sister reached her. "'Are you having fun?' "'Am I having—' Julia's eyes and mouth were round with surprise. "'Oh, you ridiculous girl!' She grabbed Alexandra's cheeks and kissed her on the forehead. "'Where have you been? What happened? Why do you smell worse than Charlie?' Charlie uttered an indignant squawk. Alexandra grinned sheepishly. Ah, no time for baths on a quest. Oh, my! Julia stared at Alexandra's mouth. Evidently you had time to replace your missing tooth. This was true, Alexandra realized. She could have removed all the blood and sweat and dirt on her when she stood at the center of the mountain on the border of the world away. It just hadn't occurred to her. What is the meaning of this? bellowed a loud male voice. Leland Sawyer the jovial head of the Sawyer clan, who had spoken a few days earlier at the opening of the Jubilee, barged his way forward. He was less jovial now. His flabby mouth turned down in a scowl when he saw Alexandra and Charlie. Did you just dab right here? You ought to know better than some furriner to— or, No offense, miss. He made a gesture with his pork pie hat to Julia as if to doff it, though he really did barely more than flick his finger against it. Without waiting for Julia to respond, he scowled back at Alexandra. Who are you, missy? Alexandra made a very slow curtsy. She evidently did it wrong. The Ozarkers murmured their disapproval as she lifted the hem of her skirts high enough to show her ankles. She peered up at Mr. Sawyer from beneath her lowered bonnet with a cat-like smile. "'Call me troublesome,' she said. He gaped at her. The Ozarkers near her gasped, while those further away muttered and whispered to each other. "'Alexandra, do be less melodramatic,' Julia whispered. Charlie cawed loudly, with wings spread as if to mimic Alexandra's curtsy. Charlie, you're just as bad, Julia said. Straightening, Alexandra patted Julia's hand while scanning the crowd. She found Anna standing quietly on the fringes, wearing her red cloak with her hood pulled up. She was trying to get to Alexandra, but there were too many people between them. Further away, one of the Pritchard twins stood arm in arm with Benjamin, or was it Mordecai? But where was the other? Sonia was visible all the way across the throng. She'd charmed her hair to flame, literally, a foreigner fashion which seems to be drawing a number of Ozarker boys to her. Alexandra turned to face the grannies, who were gathered in the darkened back quarter of the tent, dressed in their usual dour garb, unlike all the other attendees at the dance, and given a wide berth by everyone else. Each and every one of them had their eyes fixed on her. "'I completed my quest,' she said. She stepped forward, ignoring the sputtering Leland Sawyer, one foot in front of the other, swinging each one casually before setting it down, like a child tromping unhurriedly across a muddy field. Alexandra approached the grannies. They drew up with backs as stiff as if they'd been fitted with iron braces. Their faces were equally cold and hard. Only Granny Pritchard and Granny Ford didn't look as if something sour was lodged in their throats. Granny Pritchard watched Alexandra with curiosity and just a hint of softness. Granny Ford looked sleepy, which fooled Alexandra not at all. "'This,' said Granny Sawyer, "'is not how you were supposed to complete a quest.' 
Well, I'm so sorry, but since you didn't tell me what I was supposed to do, I kind of had to wing it. Alexandra stopped in front of them and shrugged off her pack. I got ambushed by hill dwarfs, I climbed a cliff and captured a thren, I fought a bugbear, escaped a jimplicute, and killed an underwater panther. I had some interesting conversations with elves. You should probably leave them some food. She dumped her pack on the ground at the granny's feet. I collected a few things, too. Granny Pritchard raised an eyebrow, eyeing the pack. The elves told me about the world away, Alexandra said, and they showed me how to go there. She looked around again. With the unworking no longer coursing through her and the vault of all that Ozarker magic leagues away, she was no longer a mortal power. The memory of near omnipotence had left tracks in her mind, her brain still burned, and her fingers tingled with the forces she had wielded, but she was once more just a witch with a barely manageable wand, but her witch's sight had been transformed forever. She could still see those cracks in the world. "'What's this about? About—' Leland Sawyer was behind her, so was Julia, and Anna pushed her way to the front of the crowd. "'The world away,' Alexandra repeated. "'That's what you want, right?' She addressed the grannies, ignoring Mr. Sawyer. "'We didn't intend for this to be a public testament,' said Granny Morrison. "'You are making a right spectacle to yourself, Missy.' "'I saw it,' Alexandra said. She stepped away from Leland Sawyer and Julia, closer to the grannies. She lowered her voice. "'With all the magic of all those unworkings, all of you could go there if someone opened the way.' She had the grannies' attention now, all those ancient eyes fixed on her in silence. "'Can you do it?' asked ancient Granny Ford. "'Maybe,' Alexandra drew back. "'Why should I?' "'Excuse me!' Granny Sawyer demanded. Alexandra turned to face the rest of the crowd. The foreigners were perplexed, some were annoyed. The Ozarkers all stared at Alexandra with expressions of shock and dismay. Burton and Noah had both pushed to the front. Forbearance was still back in the crowd with one of the rashes. Alexandra now saw Constance and David near one of the side entrances standing on their tiptoes. "'Do you all want to go to a world away?' Alexandra asked, which silenced every Ozarker in the tent. She looked back at the grannies, who did not look accustomed to being so put off guard. Then she turned back to the crowd and addressed Burton, the nearest of the Pritchards. "'Do you want to go?' she asked. "'You and your family?' "'You mean, right now?' Burton stammered. "'Miss Quick,' said Noah. "'You must know that's not a question we can resolve on the spot like this. Even the accident's never featured up and leaving with nary a moment's notice.' Alexandra saw the alarm and consternation she was causing, but it only made her want to stir up more trouble. She felt a kind of mania that demanded a release. Only the concerned faces of Julia and her friends sobered her. "'Well,' she said, "'if my friends want to go, if you decide you want to go to the world away—' She found forbearance of the crowd and met her eyes, then Constance in another quarter of the tent. She swallowed. "'For them, I'll do what I can, if they ask me to.' She turned angrily back to the grannies. "'But the rest of you can go jump off a cliff for all I care!' Another wave of gasps rose from the crowd and the granny's weathered faces turned shades darker. You need Troublesome, and if you want my cooperation, there's a price. We did not send you on a quest to barter with you when you returned, Granny Ford said. You know my problem, Alexandra said, speaking quietly to the grannies again. That thing my friends tried to help me with, that you sent Constance and forbearance with a ritual for? Well, that didn't exactly help, and I still have the same problem. How do you feature Williams can do aught about it? asked Granny Pritchard. "'Child, if we could remove the curse—' "'What sort of curse?' asked Burton. "'Well, figure out something,' Alexandra said. "'You've got less than six years now, or you can name a replacement. "'Maybe that'll work,' she shrugged and turned away from the aghast grannies. "'I'm really tired,' she said. "'I'd like to go home and get some sleep.' 
She turns to her sister and her friends. I'm sorry I interrupted the festivities. Not that sorry, I don't think, said Julia, with deceptive lightness. She put a hand on Alexandra's shoulder. We probably should take our leave, though, dear sister. Williams will take you home, said Noah. Round up the gals. Alexandra noticed for the first time Innocent standing next to William, both of them glowing in the press of the older attendees, like children who'd snuck into an adult event. William wore his JROC uniform. There were many uniforms of the crowd, JROC and ROC. Alexandra winked at William. He blushed. "'I guess you won't be staying for the dance,' Anna said. "'I think I'd be a disruptive presence,' Alexandra said, straight-faced. "'But please stay and enjoy yourselves. I'll see you guys tomorrow.' "'Before we leave,' Anna said, "'we never did get to spend much time together.' I'm sorry, I really wasn't expecting to go on a quest. Anna hugged her. Alexandra returned her embrace. I knew you were alive, Anna said. That's why we weren't worried much. Alexandra smiled. How did you know I was alive? Was Sonia watching me with her inner eye? She said she was, but I used these. Anna touched the raven and snake charm bracelets around Alexandra's wrist. Alexandra examined them and realized there was a magical connection between them and Anna she'd never seen before. Oh, you clever little sneak, she said. Anna flushed. I didn't mean... It's not a trace or anything. I'm not angry. Alexandra patted Anna's cheek, which made her stare wide-eyed. She grinned at David, who had finally pushed his way through the crowd to them. Don't let her lie to you, David said. She was trying to figure out how to locate you and help. She was worried sick, so was your sister. But not you, Alexandra said as Anna glared at David. David, like Anna, seemed unnerved by her mood. Maybe a little, he admitted. Alexandra threw her arms around David's neck, which so startled him that he didn't turn his head when she kissed him on the lips. The hell, he mumbled. What is wrong with you, Alex? You're such a dork, she whispered. Is Constance watching us? You smell like you've been on a quest, David said, gently pushing her away. And you also look kind of wired. Alexandra cocked an eyebrow at him and smiled. She felt wired. The magic in the heart of the mountain was no longer roaring around her, but the memory of it was still alive in her eyes, and her heart had not stopped racing. It felt as if all the events of the past few days had been compressed into an opening act just before she stepped onto the stage here at the culmination of the Jubilee. She knew she wouldn't get any more chances to hang out with her friends, and she owed them explanations. She saw Burton hovering behind her and Julia. "'Hey, Burton, you don't mind giving me a lift back to furthest, do you?' "'Not at all, Miss Quick,' said Burton. "'But it won't be by mule.' He held out a hand. "'Apparition's the only way to travel between hollers till we can charm our mules and brooms and pork keys again.' Alexandra thought about running back to furthest in her seven-league boots, but Julia had already taken Noah's arm. Alexandra took Burton's hand. I hope you're good at this. He waggled his eyebrows, and they apparated away. Now, I reckoned you must be a proper hand at apparating, the way you just appeared in the middle of our dance, Burton said, as he held Alexandra up outside the Pritchard's home. Her knees wobbled, and her stomach felt as if it had been shoved up her esophagus. She held Charlie in her arms. The raven had toppled off her shoulder like a bird rebounding off a sliding glass door when they arrived. "'You're sure not,' she managed to say. All of the Pritchards had returned, Noah with Julia, Mr. and Mrs. Pritchard with their three daughters. The house was dark. Their oldest daughters and younger children and grandchildren had already gone to bed. The animals immediately clamored for attention as everyone appeared in the yard. Burton coughed, still holding Alexandra firmly. "'Ain't sat along no one so far before,' he admitted. "'But I did expect you to assist a bit. "'What I did was kind of a one-time thing,' Alexandra said. "'I couldn't do it again.' "'Ah. "'Are you going to tell us what you've been up to these past three days?' 
Burton, really, interrupted Julia. My sister is exhausted and has obviously been through great trials. You're quite right, Miss Julia, said Burton. I beg your pardon. Constance forbearance, do you make sure their sheets are turned down and heat some water for Miss Quick, even if she prefers to scrub the dirt off in her face before she goes to bed, said Mrs. Pritchard. Scrubbing dirt off her face wouldn't begin to get her clean enough, Alexandra thought, but she wasn't going to ask Constance and forbearance to prepare a full bath for her, especially when it would involve manual labor. Thank you, she said. I may just go take a dip in the creek after everyone else has gone to bed. She cradled Charlie and walked with Julia back to the house, leaving Burton behind, running his fingers through his beard. She gave herself a quick sponge bath with the bucket of water Constance heated with a spell. None of the Pritchards asked her questions. Constance and forbearance just told her how glad they were that she was back safe and sound. Faithful's family had returned to their home, leaving a guest room for Alexandra and Julia, though Constance, forbearance, innocence, and whimsy were now squeezed into the twins' room. Julia kissed her, petted Charlie, and asked if she was hurt, cursed, or hexed. No, Alexandra said. Julia looked her over. Alexandra had not let Julia see her undressed, but her nightgown left much of her arms and legs and neck bare, and she was covered with bruises and scratches. Maybe a little, Alexandra said, but I swear nothing that needs a healer, not right now. Julia closed her eyes, as if summoning patience or fortitude. Is there anything else you'll have that will make me wroth when you finally tell me about it? she asked. Alexandra shrugged. Not yet. Julia tilted her head. For a moment she looked very much like Thalia King. I had a lot of encounters and some pretty interesting things happened, and yeah, some of it was dangerous, Alexandra said, but obviously I survived. Obviously. Julia remained silent until both of them had slid beneath their bed covers. Then Julia asked, Alexandra, what is the world away? Later, Alexandra said, I promise. She should have been tired, and somewhere deep in her bones she was. Her muscles were fatigued. She felt every mile she'd traveled, every rock that had scraped or bruised her body. But she was restless and still brimming with energy, even if all that magic had drained away from her, or more accurately, been expended in a burst of wasteful displays. When Julia's breathing had become slow and deep, Alexandra rose from her bed. She listened and heard only the sound of the Pritchard's wood-framed house creaking ever so slightly, settling and flexing as breezes through the trees pressed against it, now unwarded against the elements, no more weatherproof than any ancient muggle homestead. Charlie fluttered to her shoulder. She crept out of her room, trod through the dining room and across the common room, and let herself out through the front door. The porch creaked treacherously beneath her feet, but the sound was minute compared to the sudden braying of the winged goats in their pens. Alexandra froze and didn't move again until the goat settled down and no sounds emerged from the house, indicating that her nighttime wandering had been noticed. She continued down the steps of the porch, across the yard and into the woods. It was a short walk to the creek, and Alexandra followed the small, nearly indiscernible trail beneath a half-moon to the swimming hole where she and Julia and the Pritchards had gone skinny-dipping a few days ago. There was a crack rippling through the creek, a crack in the world. With enough magic, Alexandra could open it. She wondered what would happen if she did that, opened it, and allowed the creek to flow into a world away. She tilted her head slowly, entranced. Charlie on her shoulder became tense and alert. Alexandra's lips moved, and she spoke while trying to see through the split that was invisible to those who didn't have her special sight. All's quiet in the crack I see, stills the water by it, and it's close to me. But if I pry it and open the way, this creek may flow to a world away. She pried at the crack. Charlie cawed. There was a sudden gurgling sound, 
and a rush as of a waterfall just out of sight. Eerie light filled the gap in the trees where the creek ran between them, and Alexandra gasped as the creek sank a full foot and formed an enormous eddy she could see even in the semi-darkness, as if someone had pulled out a plug in the creek bed. Glowing bugs flew through the crack, fireflies, but fireflies the size of great bumblebees. Their light was not flickering yellow, but a steady fiery blue like gas flames. Alexandra squeezed her eyes shut, visualizing the crack between worlds squeezing shut as well. She knew better than to think that what was easily done was as easily undone. She did, but she let out a long, relieved breath when she opened her eyes and saw the crack was sealed once again, as if it had never parted for those few moments. The creek was flowing normally. Blue fireflies still hovered over the water, then flew off into the woods. Alexandra watched them go, hoping they might simply disappear. But no, they had flown away. Perhaps they would die, their short bug lifespans ending naturally, or else be eaten by birds that were attracted by their unnatural blue glow. Or perhaps they would multiply, and in the years hence, Troublesome would be blamed for introducing blue fireflies into the Ozarks. What she had done, though, was something she thought even the grannies couldn't do. She wondered if her father could do it. Could they even see these cracks in the world with their witch's sight? She'd walked to the creek wearing her slippers and her nightgown. She stepped out of her slippers, then pulled the nightgown up over her head, carefully hung it over a branch, and stepped into the water still holding her wand for all the good it had done her. The night was hot and muggy, so the water was refreshingly cold against her skin, not merely a miserable icy bath in a chilly cave like falling into the underground stream beneath the mountain had been. She plunged in deeper, dunked her head under water, and floated in the quiet pool, before raising her head when Charlie caught. A figure was standing by the water's edge, next to the tree where she'd hung her nightgown. "'I wasn't sure if you was serious,' Burton said. "'About what?' Alexandra said. "'Taking a dip in the creek?' "'These woods, they ain't always safe,' Burton said. "'There's bears and worse things.' "'Like what, jimplicutes and hide-behinds?' Alexandra paddled slowly in place beneath the moonlight. That quest I was just on, it wasn't a joke, you know. So I think I can handle walking in the woods behind your house by myself. She tilted her head, regarding the boy, no, man, four years her elder. Burton crouched, so he could look her in the eye more easily. She could barely make out his eyes beneath the hat he wore even at night. And why are you here, Miss Quick? he asked. After a three-day quest, a bucket of hot water just wasn't going to do it. I didn't want to make Constance and Forbearance prepare a full bath for me, but I didn't want to wait until morning to clean the blood and dirt off. Could have just used a scouring charm, Burton said. Had a few of them applied to my hide when I was a tad and gave Ma lip about not wanting a bath. Uh-huh. Alexandra floated a little further out into the pool. So why are you here, Burton? There was a long pause. Then Burton said, Could be I misapprehended your intentions, but I got the impression you was expecting me to come. Alexandra kicked herself another foot from him, her pale legs flashing in the water. "'So are you going to join me or not?' she asked. She tried to say it as if it were a casual flirtation or an invitation to an innocent swim party, but her voice took on an unfortunate life of its own. She had been trying to produce something perhaps a little bit sultry, but what came out was deep and raspy rather than breathless. Burton didn't move for a long time. Then he said, you are a brazen hussy. Alexandra was pretty sure that wasn't complimentary, especially among Ozarkers. 
yet Burton made it sound almost flattering. She didn't say anything. Burton rose to his feet, took off his hat, and set it on the same branch where her nightgown hung, and unbuttoned his shirt. Alexandra watched as he stripped off his clothes until he stood in the buff in the moonlight. Only for a second, though, and then he jumped into the water, not sliding in gently as she had, cautious of disturbing the quietude of the night, but cannonballing into the creek next to her, whooping loudly and spraying water in a huge splash that sent Charlie flying up to higher branches with loud scolding noises. Chirk, Alexandra said, when Burton's head burst through the surface a foot from hers. His teeth flashed as he grinned. His hands found her shoulders, and he pulled her closer to him. Her heart, which had not really slowed down since she apparated away from the mountain, felt like it might beat through her chest. Surely Burton could feel it pounding against him when their bodies pressed together. He kissed her as both of them kicked slowly to keep their heads above water. Charlie sat silent on a branch high above the water, watching them. End of chapter 20 For the full text of this and other stories, as well as news and updates about Alexandra Quick, visit inverarity.livejournal.com. For more information about this podcast, visit samgabrielvo.com slash alexandraquick. I am also easy to find on the Alexandra Quick subreddit and Discord server, where you can hear me record episodes live. Troublesome, composed by Dr. James Benighoff. Charmbridge, composed and performed by Tyler Parsons. If you have enjoyed this podcast, please take a moment to leave a review on iTunes or whichever podcast service you prefer. And finally, as always, thank you for listening.